And so Max, tell us, what was that like at 21 years old to get an $8,000 check? What was that like? It was definitely surreal. For a limited time, you can get a seven-day free trial for Flipster, a software built for wholesalers and flippers with leads, comps, skip tracing, and more. Start your free trial today at joinflipster.com. So Max, uh, thank you for joining me on this interview. Tell us, what market are you in? I am in coastal North Carolina. And your first deal was in was in that market or a different market? It was in Jacksonville, North Carolina. So a little bit further up north. Did you actually see this property in person? No, it was 100% yeah. virtual. Okay, cool. Love that. Okay, so Max, tell us a little bit about your journey. How did you get started? At what point did you transition from learning to then taking action? I guess I started just as a young teenager with a business mind, just trying to figure out ways to make money. So I came across real estate when I was probably 16 years old. I gained a huge interest in it. And I think the way I found you was surfing YouTube and you came up in the recommended videos. And I probably saw one of your crazy titles, like 19 year old makes $30,000 one month (laughs) or something like that. I clicked on one of those and I was like, wow, this stuff is really interesting. And so I, I kept learning about it for probably two years. Before I actually took action. So now I'm 21 years old. I'm about to graduate college. So mm-hmm. I decided that I need to get started right now if, if I'm going to make this a part of my life. So I just followed the, the strategies that you teach and the things that you show in your videos. And I got my first deal way quicker than I expected too. Let's talk about it then. So that's exciting. So from when you started to make calls, right? Because that's really, to me, the, the point where you actually transition from learning to doing or from you know wannabe to investor or from aspiring wholesaler to wholesaler it's not for me it's not necessarily when you do your first deal that's great but it's when you actually pick up the phone and start talking to people and making offers the gauge i always have is making offers because really it's a numbers game you know like i look at wholesaling like a factory in an assembly line and like their widgets that are just coming down this conveyor belt what i mean by that is if you just pick up the phone, pick up the phone, pick up the phone, and you just do it enough times, somebody's going to say, yes, all the stars are going to align. You're going to have the right agent or the right seller. The motivation's there. You just happen to be in the right spot at the right time. They say yes to your offer. You find a buyer, like everything just kind of aligns. And the way that you get everything to align is you just put yourself in more situations where things align. Like a good deal comes once a week if you're off the sidelines and you're in the game the universe is rewarding you for your effort. It's just a law. It's a law of nature that it's going to happen. If you put so much in, something's going to come out. The wholesalers that are really successful and the flippers that are really successful, they really get that concept. So then they think, you know, if I put a hundred in and I get one out, why don't I put a thousand in and get 10 out or 10,000 in and get a thousand out? Like, you know what I mean? So they start to think about scale and they start to think about how do I put more in to get more out? And then it's amazing. It's like, well, how are they doing so many deals? Well, they're putting they're putting more in. They're building a team. They're making more offers. They're doing more marketing. And naturally, the result is you just get more deals. Like you went this two-year period. You're probably, I would hope you're thinking, man, I wish I would have just picked up the phone and started 
making the calls like earlier. Yeah. You know, it's, it is what it is because everyone's on their own journeys. You can never rear view mirror this business, but I don't care where you're at in the learning stage. There's always more to learn, but pick up the phone and just start getting through the learning curve of talking, talking to agents, talking to sellers, because nothing will teach you faster. The best scripts in the world or the best training in the world isn't going to help you grow as fast as actually just doing it and fumbling through it and learning as you go. It's like that old saying that um, every no is closer to that one yes. When you're on the phone and you're calling agents or you're calling sellers or, or whoever, you're going to get a ton of no's. You have to learn to just deflect those and just keep that momentum going. One of my favorite books of all time is Secrets of the Millionaire Mind by T. Harv Ecker. And one of the things he teaches is about a millionaire mindset. And he says, uh, when you're walking along in a parking lot or whatever, and you see a penny, you bend down, you pick up the penny and you say, thank you, thank you, thank you. I have a millionaire mind. And it's like this declaration over a penny. I took that same kind of idea and I do it with calls now. So like when I, when I get on a call and the answer is no, I hang up the phone and I say, thank you, thank you, thank you. I'm that much closer to a yes. And the idea here is that you start to train your mind in the way you think that the no is actually bringing you closer. It's moving you forward. It's not setting you back. It, instead of creating this negative tension or this negative association with the phone, it creates a positive association because if your mind is adapting the belief that picking up the phone and calling is stressful, it's rejection, it's hurtful, I feel stupid, or I don't know what I'm doing, or this doesn't work. If, if, those, are, if those start to be the feelings generated from the thought of picking up the phone, then it's going to manifest in the way that you show up. Whereas like they can say no. In fact, if you're getting too many yeses, you're probably not offering low enough. So it's good. You should get a lot of no's. That means you're doing it right. We just live for the yes. And we just know that this next one is going to be that yes. And then you show up so differently when you start calling and making offers. So from when you started picking up the phone, you said it happened pretty fast. So tell me about that. Yep. So I was only looking at on-market deals just straight off of Zillow. So I was just browsing in, in Jacksonville and um, I talked to this one agent about a different house and I made an offer and she was like, okay, we'll see. And then she came back to me and said, they're not going to take this offer. And she was like, but I have this house that I'm about to put on the market tomorrow. Um, I want you to take a look at it and, and see if you want to put an offer in. And so that house ended up being the one I did a deal on, which was awesome because I got the agent to come to me with yeah. her deal. I put, a, I put really what cool. I thought was a good offer in and sellers accepted that same day. Yeah. You know, and that's amazing how that works. Very rarely is it the deal in hand. It's always about the relationship. And think about it this way, Max, like let's say you're talking to agents every day and you say to them, Hey, you know, I'm calling about your offer. That's why I'm calling you, which is a good reason to call. And it's a good reason for them to talk to you and answer the phone. So I love that that's the way we actually get on the phone is, hey, I want to make an offer on your listing. But that's really the smallest benefit of the conversation. The real conversation is, how do we create an ongoing working relationship where every time you get stuff in the future, you call me like what you just did, pocket listings. I mean, pocket listings are gold. Some of my best deals are pocket listings. It's not on market yet. It's an agent relationship with the seller and that agent knows I'm a buyer and an investor and they call me, right? Just like your situation. That's, that is when you've arrived at on-market 
deals. When agents start calling you, you know you've you've done the right legwork to create that those referrals. You know, I think it takes about 25 really solid relationships with agents who are active and they kind of specialized in in like distressed properties. There's something I don't know what it is, but distressed seller agents tend to get a lot of distressed seller properties. It could be that they have an in with like probate, like they're working with an attorney, so they get probates or things like that. Uh, or REO agents, they get a lot of, they'll get a whole bank's portfolio in a certain market, but they tend to know how to say the right things. I think a lot of retail agents pass on ugly houses. You know, they're like, ah, you know, I don't really want to deal with this property. It's going to have all kinds of problems. There's not much commission. And some agents like they eat it up. They love it. And they love working with investors. So those are the agents that you really want to network with, follow up a lot with, keep reminding them, hey, here I am looking for deals. Uh, what do you got this week? Is there anything I can make an offer on? So again, you were just in the right spot at the right time, which is why you make the calls. I don't know if you've run into this, but you'll see it. It's distressed. You'll run it through the deal analyzer and you're like, oh man, I got to offer 80 and they're asking 170. <laughs> like, oh, this yeah. is going to be a waste of time. They're going to laugh at me. I'm going to look like an idiot. And then you don't do the call because you're like, that's, it's, that's too far off. Well, still do the call because what if your situation happens where they're like, no, I can't sell it that low, but hey, I got this, I got this other property that I'm getting tomorrow. Take a look at that one. Right. So that's why you always make the call. Let's right. talk the numbers then. So did she give you a price? Did you just make an offer? How'd it work? So she gave me the address and she gave me some comps that had recently sold. She was gonna list it for I think 130 or 135. I took that, I looked at the comps. The ARV was around 180. The good thing about this house was that it was in livable condition. It was moved in ready for someone who would want to live there, but it was also bad enough to be a good flip. So I determined the rehab cost just based off the pictures. And then I subtracted my desired wholesale fee, yeah. which was originally $10,000. That's how I got to 105. So I said, all right, I'll take this 105 cash. Okay, so 135 and you offered 105. Yep. You're still a bit under what they were what they were hoping to get. So how did the agent get get it for you? Did you get it at 105? Uh yep, we got it at 105. I think my original offer was 100. Yeah, so I felt like I got it for the lowest possible amount. Like I said, they took it the same day. I told the agent already that I was going to do the double dip. I wanted her to be my buyer's agent. I really did feel like she was working for me as well as the sellers, which was great. Now let's talk about your terms. So 105, you accepted. How many yep. did you closing? Did you have an inspection? And what was your earnest money? It was a two-week closing with a three-day inspection. Earnest money was only 500 bucks. Okay, good. So you got a low earnest money. Did you offer those terms or did she kind of coach you on that's what it needed to be? Uh, we negotiated on the terms. Yeah. I kind of wanted a further out closing. Yeah. It, that was just one of those things we had to negotiate. And I was confident that I would find a buyer by then. Earnest money wasn't really a problem. We were both okay with that. I had originally asked for a five-day inspection and we negotiated at three. Now, was proof of funds an issue? Did she ask for that? They did ask for proof of funds and I was able to get a proof of funds letter from a, a lender. Okay. Yep. So, so sometimes lenders will provide those or like if you have Flipster Pro or Prime level subscription, then you get unlimited proof of funds. So good. So you handled the proof of funds. You did a 500 earnest money, which gets held in escrow until closing and then reimbursed if you wholesale. Two-week closings 
fast because it doesn't give you much time to find your buyer and, and make sure that they're ready. So typically I try to get like a 30 day, but again, you use those terms sometimes to negotiate your deal as well. So let's talk about your cash buyer. How did you find your cash buyer? This was through a big strategy that I've seen you use or I've heard you talk about. What I did was I called other agents in the area mm. and I told them my situation that I have this property. It's a great flip. So I asked them for their connections to cash buyers and cash investors. And not only did I find my cash buyer, I also made a bunch of other great connections with other cash buyers through doing that, that I feel like I could definitely use in the future. So that was awesome. Love that. Yeah. That's the part I was worried about is finding the cash buyer in time. But on the first day of inspection is when I got my cash buyer <laughs> because of that. Isn't that technique so cool? You do not need a buyer's list at all. I found that if I talk to 10, 12 agents, one of them's got a buyer for me. So guys, uh, did you catch the strategy? So what you do is once you've got your deal, then what you want to do is you want to reach out to agents in the local area close by your property. And ideally you look up flippers. So you find properties on the MLS or on Zillow or whatever, where the property um, was a fix and flip, it's renovated. You call that agent, you say, hey, is your, is your investor looking for another deal? And then the agent is motivated to bring that cash buyer to you because if they get another property, if they get another property, that agent gets another retail listing, right? So it's it's in the best interest of the agent to bring deals to their flippers because it's good for them too. They get more business too. How many agents do you think you talked to? How many how many cash buyers do you think you added to like your list by doing that? I probably talked to not many, honestly. I probably yeah. talked to about five or six agents. And through that, I got about five or six cash buyers. And the buyer that wanted it, what was his story? Was he a flipper in the area? She is also a real estate agent and a fix and flipper. Okay. And she told me, she was like, I know what you're doing. I work with wholesalers all the time. I was like, awesome. And so yeah. that made the process so much easier. It was just a good experience all around. Well, that's awesome that the buyer was totally fine, understood what you're doing, just looked at the numbers, wanted the deal. So you had it at 105 and this was an 8K, right? Was that was that right? How many offers are you saying you're making? Would you say you're making a day on on market? Probably about three. What I'm trying to do now is just pull as many leads as I can on market and then analyze those and figure out my numbers and then be ready to make those phone calls. Yeah, that's great. Stay consistent. Three is great. I know Jerry says five. Do you find it kind of hard to do five a day? Is that pretty time consuming or? I mean, the phone call and the offer and even pulling the lead isn't the difficult part. It's the crunching the numbers, making sure they're accurate, determining rehab costs. That's the time consuming part for me. Max, where, where Nathan's going with this is uh, clearly to move from like the onesie twosie, you want to start thinking about scale. If you think about a lot of the work that it takes to get up to the phone call where you're ready for the call and to make the offer. There's a lot of low level tasks that can be completed by a virtual assistant. So five, $6 an hour, you can start to train them to scrub your list, uh, look up agent phone numbers, run stuff through your deal analyzer, gather enough information and have it ready. So then you just are ready to kind of pick up the phone at that point, you know, the next level would be you get some people now that can do calls for you, but you know, when you start to grow out of business, but the next big step to move from doing everything yourself is getting that VA in place and having them start to do some of those initial lower level tasks. That's what Nathan's been great about. He's got now a team and he's got people that are in different positions 
that can do a lot of the heavy lifting and it's, and a lot of it's mundane and monotonous. And it's just, it's just like routine, same thing again and again and again. So then it can be systematized pretty soon. Your people get really good at it because they're doing it over and over and over again. And then that just makes your job a lot easier. That makes sense. Yeah. How do you recommend I reach out to find somebody that could help you with that type of stuff? Yeah. Well, there's a lot of VA services out there. There's companies that provide VA services. We have one in Flipster as well. So if you end up uh, ever being a Flipster user, I think it's five, six bucks and you can buy blocks of time. You know, what I have them do is I have them scrub through the our MLS scraper tool, I have them uh, start a workflow run the deal analyzer. Now they're not going to know exactly what numbers to put in, but it defaults. So it gets you a ballpark number. We have them research out the agent's phone number, which by the way, we're working on a tool right now that will scrape and get that for us already. So we don't have to go find it. That's one of the tedious things I hate is, you know who the listing agent is that you want to double dip with, but now you got to go track them down because their number's not always accessible. So that's a cool feature we're working on right now. And then get it all ready for you maybe even pull some comps. You can start to train them a little bit. That's a little trickier thing for a VA to do, but people can be trained to do these things. And then you can even train someone to make the calls and do the sales for you. So all of it can be outsourced. I think the more important question, Max, is asking, how do I start to build a team so that I'm not doing everything? If you're asking that question every single day and you're asking yourself, how do I be more efficient? Who's my first hire? How do I reinvest some money from my last deal into tools and and resources and 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 people? How do I do that? If you're asking how, then that's the way to do it because you're going to try things and you're going to find what works. Keep applying, keep learning, and you'll get there and be exciting. On this Thank deal, you. going back to this deal, Max, it was an eight thousand dollar wholesale. And so, Max, tell us what was that like at twenty one years old to get an eight thousand dollar check? What was that like? It was definitely surreal. This is like this is like something that I've been thinking about for so long mm. and learning about for so long, not even with wholesaling, just business and mm. real estate as a whole. And yeah. so to get that physical piece of paper in front <laughs> of me as proof of the work and the time that I've put in, it's amazing. I hope you have a picture of that holding that check that you can frame because that's a. Uh, I do. That's awesome. Send that to me. I want to see. You know, that's really cool because it's more about what it represents. Like you said, I mean, like I could see you getting emotional because you put in all this effort, and then you see you you see that proof of concept, and you get that check. And uh, I say this all the time, but my first deal was six thousand, and I remember feeling like that could have been a million dollars for all I was concerned because it was just so exciting to see it work. It just set the pace for me. It set the groundwork that if I can do it once, I can do it five times a month, right? Just was so convinced that that was the route I was going to go from, from that first deal. That's exciting. Good for you. Thank you. What's the biggest thing you think you learned? Like if you were to talk to somebody that's, that's new working on their first deal, for you, what was the biggest thing that you learned through that process? I think it was definitely you do not have to be perfect or even close to it when you're looking for your deals or if you're on the phone or whatever you're doing. Because I, I feel like I was one of them. I feel like a lot of us get way too caught up in that analysis paralysis. Yeah. And 
which prevents us from making those offers and doing those deals. So I would say just don't worry about sounding stupid on the phone or getting your numbers wrong or whatever. Just go out there and just get that experience and shake off those nerves. I love that. Great advice. I like to say imperfect action is better than perfect inaction. You know, it's human nature, but we want to think, you know, I can't do anything until I know everything. That's an excuse we use to hide behind, right? We hide behind that thought that, well, I don't know enough yet. I'm not ready. I'm still learning. And the reality is, is that's that's not true. The basic concept of wholesaling is is not that complicated. Now it's just a matter of going out there and, and talking to people and making offers. If you mess up, you mess up, you, re, you readjust, you cancel your contract, like it's not the end of the world. So I really, really like that advice. That's amazing advice, guys. So if you're yeah. listening to this and, you're, and you've been learning but not taking action, let Max's advice, let that sink in. Take that imperfect action. Don't wait another day to get started. Love that. All right, guys, leave right. a comment and say, and say, Max, you're a flipping genius. <laughs>